0: All right, well, starting our Christmas series, God With Us, Uh, last week, Pastor Lori preached through promise. Everyone say promise. You know, in the chat, you can just write promise, so just kind of like zone in together. And this week, what we want to do is we want to talk about pressure, Uh, how each and every one of us write the story of our lives one decision at a time. And nothing impacts decision-making more or more powerfully than pressure now pressure can be internal it can be fear it can be anxiety it doesn't necessarily have to be what others are putting on you it's already in here and it, it actually is impacts our decision-making or of course pressure can be external things as well uh, things that we can't control that begin to press in around us and here's what's true when we experience pressure And we need to make decisions while the pressure is on. It is so important to have a grander vision. Proverbs says that when we lack a grander vision, when we lack something that's larger than what we can see in the moment, when pressure comes and everything gets blurry and our perspective gets all messed up, that in that moment, it's important to have something out here. Again, Proverbs says, without that grander vision, um, we perish, or the dream dies because we get swallowed up in the here, in the now. You know, again, in a larger story, when we're making decisions towards something, and then pressure begins to push on us, the very first thing we often lose is perspective. The very the hardest thing sometimes to hold hope and faith to when pressure hits our lives is a grander vision. Now, a grander vision doesn't often have to just always be grandiose. We are going to talk about that, but it can also just be getting the heart of why we're doing what we're doing. You know, pre-pandemic times, you and I used to do different things like. Go go out to, you know, restaurants with groups of people and maybe you gathered a whole bunch of friends and you just wanted to hang out, you wanted to be with your friends at a restaurant or people that you're in relationship with and inevitably maybe you've selected a restaurant. If you've ever had the mispleasure, by the way, of being in a group of people who spontaneously want to pick somewhere to eat, that will, you will experience pressure. You will experience frustration. You're going to experience a lot of things trying to get us to agree on where we're going. You say you finally agree that we're going to go see this film and you show up and it's sold out. And in that moment, it's like, oh, the night is wrecked. The grander vision of the night was to be with people, not just to do this. But again, in these moments, it wasn't just to go to this restaurant. It was to be together. But when we experience disappointment, when our lives are pressed, these things go, you know, go up in our life. Now, those are really trite, trite examples. But there's an expression that we have in English, which is that we can't see the forest through the trees. In other words, when pressure begins to push in on us and we lose perspective, everything gets so close that we can't see the immensity because all we can see is what's right in front of us. You know, as a pastor, uh, maybe you're in a different space, but for me, I've had a chance to pray with other pastors uh, in the nation who are now experiencing pressure and their church was struggling, in some cases struggling mightily before the pandemic And as a result of the pandemic, they've had to close the doors of their church, and not for public safety, but just because they can't go on anymore. And the pressure that they feel both internally in a sense of failure, but also externally in terms of just the reality of it is overwhelming. As a pastor, I've prayed with people at Life Center who have had businesses go upside down through no fault of their own. They didn't do anything wrong. But there was a pressure that just pushed in, and as a result of that hitting their hearts and lives, but here's what happens that is grander than these things. When our identity is tied into what we do and not who we are, and those things occur in our hearts and lives, the pressure that we can put on ourselves and the things that we can experience really can create this whole dark night of the soul and if we look in the original Christmas story, that it is a story about God, we see a story of God guiding a group of magi, a group of astronomers from the East, magicians from the East, who, like us, experience pressure, both on the inside but also externally, who have to make decisions, but all the while are holding to this grander vision. And that's the story that we want to look at today. Brendan Bridges says this. We can all relate to the Magi travels because like their journey, much of our life is about seeking and discovering of our our purpose. We are born with this internal compass that is longing for significance. It's in all of us, an identity. We want to know why we were born and who we are and what is really life all about. I added the last part. And so in the scriptures, in the original Christmas story, there is this story about these wise men from the east. And here's what it says. And in their story is also the story of a king by the name of Herod. Two stories in one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. So, can you hear the focus of their vision? Can you hear the focus of it? It's very, very specific. They are following a star, looking for a savior for the heart expressed purpose of worship. This is why they're doing what they're doing. And here's what it says When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Because when the king is troubled, he makes everybody else experience trouble. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes, the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, in you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me the word that I too may come and worship him. Pause. Not every guide in your life is a godly guide. Not every guide that appears in our story is actually leading us Not only where we need to go, notice that for the wise men and for Herod, the destination was the same, but the motive was entirely different. For the wise men, they had come to worship. For Herod, he is coming to kill. So not every guide we can trust simply on the basis of what their words say. How many of you know that you and I are both word and deed? that with our lips we can say things and with our lifestyle we can actually show what we truly believe. You don't think it's true. I wanna take you back to a different story where Peter says to Jesus with his lips, I will never betray you, though everyone betrays you, not me, and by his lifestyle it shows who he really is. In fact, it's a powerful story, just we're gonna touch on it like a rock skipping on the water. Jesus says to Peter, what does he say to him? You're going to deny me. And Peter essentially says to Jesus, I know me better than you know me. And here's what I want you to know. The God of the universe knows you better than you know yourself, knows me better than I know myself. And in that moment, is it ultimate truth or my truth? So here we see it also within this story. Let me keep reading. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Which if we had time, which we don't today, it's very interesting that you'd give a baby a gift that signifies their death which is myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed on their own country by another way. Like the Magi, life, my life, your life, is never without pressure. It is never without decisions, and importantly, having a grander vision. Pressure can impact all of our lives in different ways, and here's one of the things that we do with one another that is often not helpful is we get into pressure compar- comparative stories. Someone tells a story of their experiencing pressure, and someone else comes along and goes, you think that's pressure. And we always try to one-up each other like it matters at all. It's not a competition. You know, when I, as a 47-year-old man, when I think back to when I was 15, 16 years old, and what I understood to be pressure, now to what I know and have experienced as pressure, I can see, yes, the difference. But as a 15, 16-year-old, it didn't much matter because I didn't have the experience. That was pressure. Exams were pressure. They're pressure. But I'll never forget when Lori and I had, well, each of our children, but in particular when we had our first child. We had our first child, like many of you do, in a hospital. Do you not know what the audacity they had to say to us? After a couple of days stay, do you know what they had the audacity to say to us? You can take your child home. How dare they? I've never felt pressure previous until, like, we had nine months to, well, about ten months to prepare for that moment. And I never thought about what it would be like to drive home with your child. It was just this moment of, like, Pressure. I totally forgot how to drive a car. How fast do I go? How do I know? Do I stop it? What's going on? And as a husband, I knew something had totally changed because when we got into the car, Lori didn't get into the front seat with me. She got into the back seat, and I realized things have changed. (laughs) Hey, is this a good time to talk about how I feel? No, not at all, because I'm a wise man. Pressure. Pressure. And you may have never had children, so you're like, well, I I can't relate to that. But you've had pressure in your life as a leader. I've felt the pressure of having to make a tough call, a tough decision, grabbing a grander vision. And then in making the decision, knowing it's going to have negative consequences on somebody else's life and them experiencing those negative consequences, they're going to be able to say whatever they want to say and I can say nothing. And you feel the pressure. You feel it. You know what pressure does? Pressure reveals what's already there. It just reveals sometimes what's already there. You haven't lived until you've experienced pressure and something has come out of you and then you have shocked yourself in saying, where did that come from? Like, where where did that response come from? It was already there. And so here we see in the story of Christmas, the magi begin to experience pressure. Herod the king begins to put pressure on them and what is in them begins to show up and just the just the thought of Jesus this new king being born there is nothing more dangerous than an insecure unhealthy king because this insecure, unhealthy king begins to experience pressure. And what is in the king, which is not to serve, but it is to be served. It is not to be a blessing. It is to take. It is not to give life. King Herod begins to take life to preserve his life. And the writers of the gospels want you to contrast an earthly king with King Jesus. That King Jesus shows up and he is going to give his life. He is going to die so that you and I can experience life. And Matthew begins to write the gospel narrative showing you a king, how all kings live, that they will take life to preserve their life, but the way of Jesus is give life so that you and I can live because Jesus is no ordinary king. So pressure not only focuses our pursuit, but it exposes what is present in us. Church, Let's allow pressure to sometimes expose and bring up the stuff that God's trying to get out of us. As a culture, we are experiencing pressure. Let's let it root out things that we feel make us strong, but really just make us sick. There's something about humility that when you respond in a way, that you realize, Lord, you've got more healing, you've got more work to do here. It's the grander vision, Lord, help me be more like you. I recognize this moment and this decision wasn't. And so in the story, the Magi, they see a star, there's a guide in their life, a question I do want you to ask yourself, whether you're 14 or 19 or 27 or 87, I do want you to begin to discern what guides are in my life. What things am I giving power and influence to lead my emotions, to shape my worldview, to actually wash over me, to see what I need to see? What guides in your life? Here we see one of a star, and we see also one of a Herod, a power and a king. What guides? The Magi see a star and a new pursuit is born, and their decisions follow their vision. And Herod hears about a new king, and what was in him again comes pouring out in his destructive decision. He, follow, he too follows the vision of his life, but his vision brings death to others. And the vision of the Magi and the vision to follow a different king brings life. How many of you know that pressure can blur our vision? Pressure and decisions in our hearts and lives. And I think that this is a powerfully pressure-filled time that globally humanity is going through. And it can blur all of our visions at the best of days. And because this is true, sometimes we once again need to step back and look at a grander vision. It is so important to look at things and to examine them, but also to step back and remember sometimes even our shared humanity and who we are together. The journey that the Magi are on is so grand that it is so significant. Do you know where we begin to read about it? All the way back in Genesis, all the way back in Numbers, all the way back there, God is weaving a story that is now unfolding in their lives. Here's what it says in Numbers 24, verse 17, as we talked to Pastor Lori preached through last week, powerful prophecies, over 2,000 of them in the Old Testament, Here's one. In Numbers 24, verse 17, it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but he's not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. What's the ending part there? It's the only way that they could understand enemy. It's the only way they could understand good and evil and triumph and goodness. This is so important because the story includes, as we're looking at today, a star and it includes a king. But the grander story is about a bright morning star coming in the person of Jesus. A king, again, so secure that he would not take life, but give life to us through his death and show us what true kingship is really all about. You see the star was just the guide to get to the grander vision. We as humans have a problem and a tendency and that is that we worship the guides not the giver of the guides. We tend to fall in love with worshiping the star and not the creator of the star, not the savior who the star pointed to. We get our eyes fixed on earthly things and sometimes we can lose sight of eternal things that we can get so fixed and focused on pleasure that we can absolutely miss purpose. And this doesn't make you bad, this simply makes you human. But the challenge is sometimes we do have to step back and look at the grander vision of the decisions that I'm making me. Are they actually creating in me? Are they leading to me to be the person that I want to become? And. And sometimes it's even more complex than that, because as followers of Jesus, we are not merely the sum of our decisions, that we live in a world with powers and principalities and rulers and darkness arranged against us every single day. Those of us as followers of Jesus get up every day, and you may say, well, I don't want to engage in that whatsoever. Darkness doesn't care whether or not you and I want to engage. Often you and I function, as we read last week, like blindfolded soldiers being battered by powers and principalities. And look, I'm not making everything about powers and principalities. I think we got to own our decisions too. But as followers of Jesus, it's not just simply looking at decisions. It's looking at sometimes the motive and the push behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. Is there something in my family that needs to be broken? Is there something in my life where I've given legal access to the enemy to rob, kill, steal, and destroy that is influencing? I me? Mean, am I living my life out of guides of fear, anxiety, and shame that continue to lead me to the same dead end? Is it time to actually listen and learn and be healed and be led by different guides? For some of you, you are setting a new guide for our family, for your children and their children and their children and their, children and their children's children. It is setting this guide. Yes, they all must make a decision equally. But you can begin to set a different trajectory for your family. You can begin to do things differently. For some of you, that's the pressure you are feeling in intercession as you pray for your kids, as you pray for your family, as you pray for those who don't know Christ, as you pray for those that you love being led by guides that you know only lead to dead ends. This is the pressure that you feel in intercession, that you pour your heart out to God knowing that He is all-powerful and you recognize I am powerless to choose this for them, but God can. It is looking at a king like we, and in the story of our lives is again, do I engage like a king and try to control and manipulate or do I trust that God is leading and guiding and even though sometimes I can't see it. These are the pressures that we all feel. These grander visions that we need, that how many of you know dollars are necessary? Lori and I will know what it's like Early on in our marriage, we know what it's like to have a lot more month than money. I know the pressure that that feels like. I know what it looks like to spend too much and to have Visa come as a guide and begin to direct your steps. I'm choosing intentional words here. I know what this feels like. And they don't do it with kindness. They do it with something called compounding interest. There's a reason why our mortgages are called death grips, mortgages, mortition, mortgage. It can feel like that at times. Dollars, again, are a necessary pursuit. But sometimes we got to step back and realize, is my life all about dollar? Or do I see something grander, which is destiny? Is my life being so, so wrapped up in dollar that I'm not actually even taking time to dream about destinies and how I am impacting and blessing and serving and loving and caring? Am I so caught in just making money that I am forgetting how to live and make a life We need to have grander vision sometimes. Education is so important. It is so vitally important. Education is vitally important. Yes, and amen. But so too is equipping others. If everything in education is simply for you, then you're missing the grander picture and the grander dream. Education is not for you. It is for you to make a Jesus-sized difference in the world in which, in the sphere in which God places you. Don't miss the grander vision or you will fall prey to worshiping a smaller dream. You see, following a star for the Magi was a necessary pursuit, but falling down and worshiping a Savior, ah, that was the grander vision. Following the star was necessary, but it was to actually lead them to the Savior. It wasn't following that they were engaging, it was falling down in worship that their heart and their affections were rooted in. You know, for Life Center, gift for kids is what we do every single year. Do you know that the grander vision behind gift for kids, behind helping parents, investing into parents so that they can buy gifts for their kids, is it so that kids could have toys at Christmas and something to open at Christmas? Yeah, that's, that's part of it. But more so than that, the grander vision is that parents would know that there is a God who loves them. That kids would know on Christmas morning, whether it is seed form and they recognize it or not, that it's not about the toy, it's about the treasure of knowing that there is a heavenly father who loves them and sees them and cares about them. This is the heart of it. Life Center, did you know that this season as a church, this is an astounding number, that we as a church are going to be giving away this season $255,000. $100,000. And I'm not saying it, yeah, I'm not saying it in a braggadocious way. I'm saying it in a sense of saying, you're not going to find it on social media because everything you know, right now it's just popular to kick the church. Just kick it, just kick it, just kick it. But I want you to know that all around the world, churches are doing extraordinary things. We as a church, as a whole church at our business meeting, paused our downtown, and we've taken $100,000 out of that, and we are behind the scenes giving it away to churches in our city, helping them bridge to another day. We're giving $80,000 away to ministries that are doing tremendous, making a Jesus-sized difference, and then we're going to help them run further and faster. Gift for kids, Christmas hampers, all of these things. What's the heart behind that? So that people can go, life center, good job, no, no, no. So they may know that there is a God who is generous, who is good, it is his nature, and it is character, and we as the church, this is what we're called to do, that we don't only create problems, sometimes we serve, and we are more like Jesus. Lord, because God is generous, so we can take his nature and his care I have one minute and 52 seconds, so hold your breath. Because I want to end here. Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. What do I do if I've had pressure hit my life and I've zigged and I should have zagged? What do you do if you aren't really proud of your decisions? What do you do if you what came up damaged a relationship that's going to maybe take a long time to repair? Now what do we do? Well, here's what it says, and it's the hope of the gospel. In being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, it says the Magi, they departed to their own country. Three words that I want you to grab hold of, church. You Ready? by another way aren't you glad that we serve the God of by another way that yes your, your decision may have pulled you off this path and you may be on this path but here's what I want you to know God knows how to root you by another way God knows how to intervene wherever you are you are one obedient step away from back on the purpose and plan that God has for your life We've shared this before as well, too. Some of us have more faith in our GPS systems and technology than we do the king of the universe. If you make a wrong turn and your GPS can reroute you, how much more the creator of all things, not just the creator of that technology that's relying on satellites in the sky? I don't know about you, but I would rather trust the God who knows every molecule, every inch of creative design in the entire planet. He can reroute me better than any technology can. Trust God to take, make your next step an obedient step. Wherever rules, whatever rules us, when pushed, that's who we follow. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Isaiah 43, verse 19 says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. For some of you are saying, there's no way God can move here. I hear it, and that's nice, but there's no way he can move in my life. Well, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. desert. Is anything too difficult for our God? No temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape he will provide another way that you may be able to endure it. COVID is a season that none of us wish to go through. But in it, yes, there's loss and there's pain and there's unimaginable tragedy. And I'm not discounting it. But in this season, we also have to look at individually as a church and as a nation when the pressure came What showed up? How are we responding? Because there is gold, not only in success, but there is gold to be found in suffering if we have the courage to trust God, to make another way. So life is full of pressure. And this season, it's high. And each of us have to make decisions. But like the Magi, we can only give God what we have and Christmas is regardless of the pressure or the decision that wherever you are because of the work of King Jesus God is with us so today in this season would you let God be both God and guide in a gift that only you can give Jesus in this season is not a perfect heart That's not possible for any of us. But you can give God one thing. You can give him a grateful heart. And it's a gift that only you can give. Together, just be ministered to as the team sings about gratitude this morning in the midst of pressure and decisions.